it seems like quite a small task in terms of supporting people's mental health and well-being. Um, it's actually got a significant impact in terms of the wider business. And I suppose a lot of HR professionals probably already know this. And perhaps it's that message to the wider workforce that needs to be spread. Welcome to the HR LND podcast, where we explore cutting edge HR trends and best practices with top leaders who are shaping the future of work. My name is Nick Day, and I'm founder of JGA Recruitment Group, a specialist HR search firm. I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognized HR thought leader listed on Thinkers360. Together, we're going to dive into topics from diversity and inclusion to technology, learning curation and employee experience to help you evolve your people and your development strategies. So whether you're a flourishing HR executive, a rising manager or a seasoned CHRO who's driving transformation, this podcast is for you. So grab your coffee and let's play. Hello and welcome back to the HR LD podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we're specialist HR recruiters. Remember, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, please remember to subscribe to it. Please remember to review it if you can. And more, more and more importantly, please do share it with all of your HR colleagues and friends. So together we can really raise the profile of the, of the HR industry for everyone. Now, today I'm joined by Bethany Ainsley, who's corporate wellbeing specialist coach and CEO of Optimi, as well as the author of the fantastic and best-selling new book, Don't Burn Out, Stand Out. We're going to be talking about that more during the course of the show. Now, Bethany's take on burnout, stress management, and handling work pressures in today's modern world of work are quite nuanced and sensitive, which is why I'm really delighted to welcome her to today's show, because I know this is something that many of us are suffering from, but her actionable advice and wisdom concerning how we can revolutionise both health and well-being in the workplace is something I know many of you is greatly benefit from. Now, to give you some context, for over a decade, Bethany and the team have been providing award-winning services that have helped literally thousands of people to improve their health and well-being. In fact, their efforts were actually recognised in 2015 with their award the David Goldman Prize for Innovation for their work in behavioural change. More recently, Bethany was presented with Director of the Year Award from the Directors for the Development of Their Employee Wellbeing Software and Services, and she's been supporting businesses to achieve enhanced employee wellbeing, happiness, and productivity now for a number of years, which has led her to write this fantastic book, which we're going to talk about today, called Don't Burn Out, Stand Out, which really does explain how people can operate effectively as business leaders, which I know many of you listeners are, whilst improving your health and well-being, and of course, your personal lives at the same time. So we'll find out more about all of that during the course of today's show. Without further ado, welcome, Bethany, to the HR LMB podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Nick. I'm really well, thanks. Um, thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast, so I'm so pleased to be part of it. I'm super, super excited to have you on the show, particularly to talk about some really, really important issues, burnout being one of those, health and well-being being others, and something that doesn't just impact the people listening to the show directly, but also the people, of course, that they're leading within their businesses. So before we jump into that, I'm going to ask my first question that I always ask, which is this, what do the words human resources mean to you? Okay, so it means a number of things, but I think to summarise, it's helping individuals to achieve their ambitions, and ultimately in doing that, it's going to help the whole organisation. Perfect, and that's what we're going to talk about today, right? So let's start with a big question then, while we're armed and ready. How can the leaders that listen to this show, and other leaders beyond that, of course, and the leaders that they inspire as well, how can they really improve the ways that they balance or, and I guess, navigate that working life on one side 
and their health and well-being on the other. Yeah, I mean, where do we start? It's a it's a big question. I suppose initially it's important to remember that everybody is unique and everybody's situation is going to be different. So we've got to start with the individual and initially look, taking time to analyse where they're currently at in terms of what does balance look like to them? What does their routine look like? What is it that they're trying to achieve? And then from there, we can sort, we can work backwards to start implementing different techniques in order to create the balance to, to sort of promote more, a better well-being and health. I think that's probably the first place to start. Could you find when you work with these, I know as a coaching principle, we'll often say things like you need to slow down or to speed up. But when you're dealing with these senior leaders and entrepreneurs in particular, in your instance, you find that often they haven't actually even had the opportunity or even thought about the idea of sitting back and thinking about how they can be balanced their life. It's kind of a so head down and, and head on. We often don't even give ourselves the moment to to reflect. Yeah, I think, so I'll often ask a question in a workshop when we talk about the importance of taking a break and I'll, and I'll just put the question out there. How many people have worked through a break during a busy period or even worse, how many people have worked through lunch? And I think that the same can be, yeah, <laughs> the same can be said in general life when we're going through through a busy period or a busy phase and for some people it's constantly busy it's or oh, after this month things will calm down but then the next month is equally as busy so then it's then we forget to take that time out to just stop press the reset button and then come back to it so i think we can get into a bit of a hamster wheel without realizing until something does actually occur where we do think oh, oh we need to actually do something about this i, th- I think it would make sense today in the context of what we're going to be talking about maybe to start with your book because of course you recently authored um book, don't burn out stand out provides readers with really good insights and tools for something called the Costa model which people can take away which really helps them to take positive steps towards greater productivity, better well-being, ultimately achieving that better work-life balance that many of the people listening to this, myself included, are really, really striving for. So I wonder if you could just bring that the book to life, tell us a little bit more about the possible model if you can, and perhaps some of the strategies, tools and techniques the listeners, uh, if they were to read the book, might be able to take away. Yeah, sure. So the Prosper model covers seven key areas. So the first one is all around purpose. So looking at how knowing that purpose can help us shape sort of our pathway accordingly. So sometimes we can be driven off track and then it's not until a little while later that we realise that we're not doing something that we're passionate about. It's not fulfilling our purpose and it's not generally making us happy. So that's sort of the first aspect just to tick off. And then looking at resolve. So obviously resolve is really important in terms of the steering mechanism that keeps us going so we look at things like procrastination imposter syndrome and overwhelm also so some things that um, a lot of people have experienced at one point or another or even a, a daily occurrence and then next moving on to opinion so a lot of people have to make a lot of decisions every single day and those decisions can have a positive or negative consequence in some way or another. So those decisions are really important. So looking at how we're making decisions and and if things like value-based decisions or authenticity can help us make the right decision, because as you can imagine, if making the wrong decision, things like the wrong investor or business partner, or even the wrong client or employee can has, have a significant detrimental effect on both your well-being and the organisation as well. Then we go on to talk about things like um, strength of body and mind, So keeping the mind and body well, 
is really important in terms of holistic health, but also like an athlete would um, to achieve optimal performance. We need to look after ourselves and do that as best as, as we possibly can. Um, before moving on to productivity, so looking at things like work environment and time management. Um, we look at equilibrium within the book. So that's finding balance, particularly things like work-life balance. And when the obstacles that you do come across occur, it's not going to sort of knock you off track. And then finally, reward. So if you've got a reward, it's going to keep you focused, keep you on track, but also boost those positive feelings as well so that we can develop that positive behaviour change also. Well, there's quite a lot of that written notes I want to dive into then during the course of the phase, so, which is great. If you start with the, the health piece, I'd love to get some definition here because when we think of health, many people either think initially about you know, whether we feel well or whether or we think about our physical health, but actually there are other types of health, like mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. Tell us a little bit more about why it's important we don't just focus on one aspect of health. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are there's a lot of crossover, really. I mean, if we t think about physical health, so if you don't get a good night's sleep, I don't know about you, but I definitely feel a bit grumpier the following day, and it takes yeah. me a bit more effort to sort of do some exercise and things like that. So, yeah, some of the physical aspects can obviously have effect on our mental health as well. So I think there's definitely an overlap, but it's equally important to to consider both the things like mindfulness activities that you can practice gratitude all of these kind of things which are very much focused around sort of mental well-being but again if you're feeling really feeling positive and happy that's going to come across in the way that you are with the people around you that's going to affect then your social relationships when you're feeling good and you're feeling happy you do feel it physically it comes back into the body as well so it's all just one big circle really and it should it's all interlinked so it should definitely be seen as that we need to push that more i think i think it was nice you mentioned the word gratitude in there i've heard a great quote by simon Ong, you know, and in there he said you think about it it's almost impossible to be grateful and unhappy at the same time and that's what I think the power of like a gratitude diary or, or, or to practice gratitude mindfulness at least can be really powerful. So we can go into that mindset. As you say, it can change the whole energy system. It can make us feel better about our purpose, the emotion, starting work, and all the things kind of then start to fall, fall into play. So if people are, are mindful at the moment, then maybe they are out of balance, you want a better word. What are the typical kind of burnout indicators that, that, that people listening to the show at the moment may want to consider or be mindful of? Yeah, some of the signs and symptoms can be similar to to stress, but it's it's to another extreme. So it's things like um, you may have experienced anxiety, maybe feeling unwell or have exhaustion. It could be affecting how you feel. So something that that you may normally perceive as an obstacle might seem like an absolute mountain to climb. Like you're not going to get over that. It's sort of a really extreme feeling. And again, physically and mentally, when you get to the point of burnout, you probably need to start seeking a, uh, medical attention. So what we really want to do is avoid anybody from getting to that stage. And that's where the awareness is really important because if you're able to address when you're feeling stress, for example, or high levels of stress, if you can um, spot that early, you can start to then put in coping mechanisms and things like that. That's going to put you back onto the right track um, rather than going into chronic stress and leading to burnout, which is where we definitely don't want anyone to be. What would some of those indicating 
I mean, just a couple of them. What else could we? What else could we look for in terms of potential indicators? And one of them being, you know, if you say a, a task initially may not look so big, but actually now we're feeling like it's a, it's a mountain. Are there other things we should be mindful of? You mentioned sleep earlier. No, maybe your sleep potentially be disrupted, or other signs you can look out for. Initially, I would do an exercise that highlights four key areas. So it's how you feel physically, mentally, emotionally, and how you behave. Um, so when you think of physically, it might be that you're experiencing headaches. It could be that you're getting, you know, that anxious feeling in your stomach. People talk about butterflies and things like that, that sort of feeling. It could be that you're feeling muscle tension in a particular area of your body. So thinking about how the body generally feels. Mentally, it could be affecting your memory or concentration or creativity, which again is going to impact on work most likely. Emotionally, so this is generally your mood. So if there's any changes in how you're feeling, so it could be that you're more irritable, it could be more angry, you could be snapping at people more, things like that. And then how you behave as well. So it could be that you become more judgmental towards others or even yourself, just unhappy or even angry. So just creating, um, just on a piece of paper, I would write down those four columns and just take a moment to reflect on how you're feeling. And that's your initial signs and symptoms um, that come across when you're feeling stressed. And it might be that at times you don't even recognise that you're highly stressed, but some of these signs and symptoms are coming out. So it could be that you're starting to get headaches and then you can think, right, what have I got on at the moment? Okay, there is a lot going on. I could actually be stressed. I need to put some practices in place. And often I love one or a team member who points it out to you as well. It's just listening to that feedback without snapping back. So in terms of, sort of perhaps some of the burnout recovery methods there, and the information you can give that might help them. I know you talk a lot about uh, the happiness toolkits and some of those tools that people can, can start to implement. Yeah, sure. So once you've sort of identified when you're feeling stressed or what happens when you do feel stressed, you can then look at what it could be that's causing that stress. So is it something that you can work through? So can you address it? And if you can, try and do so or at least plan time to do so and then that's something else that you've dealt with if it's something that you can't actually address then it's looking at using a coping mechanism or a technique or a practice and learning to let that go often we put on internal pressures and that can be a cause of stress in itself that doesn't necessarily exist in the wider world so being able to recognize that and put that practice in place to let that go can relieve that stress as well but as you mentioned there's lots of other practices that we can do as well but again it's completely um, individual to each person so a good technique is to look at 10 stress busting activities that you could do so just list 10 things that you could do right now to help relieve stress so it could be something really simple like go for a walk watch a funny youtube clip listen to an uplifting podcast so list 10 things that you can do that's just going to make you feel good and then keep that at hand or keep it on your phone keep it in your notes so that you can come back to that on a regular basis other things that you can do are part of building it into your lifestyle and that's probably going to be more of a lifestyle change 
But again, keep this small and simple so that you can build upon this and it becomes sustainable rather than trying to make huge changes um, and then it just um, falls off the edge of a cliff. So it's all yeah. about sustainable behaviour change. So when you talk about um, a happiness toolkit, it can be looking at how can you be more positive about things? How can you change your outlook on certain areas and things like that? Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. We know if we can change our thinking, we can change how we feel, right? And sometimes there's a tool I use sometimes called the sphere or circles of influence with people. And it's like, is it within your sphere of influence to change or is it outside of that? So you, know, you need to be worried about something you cannot control, but I've some things that you can control that you can that's, I love those, uh, those 10. I'll write those down for me. I think I might read them now and again. You mentioned in your book, it also helps people to struggle with three things, actually, that's quite prevalent in the world of HR. Uh, overwhelm, procrastination, and one thing I hear a lot about, which is imposter syndrome. What advice would you give to people listening to the show who maybe suffering one of those three uh, convictions? It's something that a lot of people experience. Procrastination, it's something that a lot of us need to overcome imposter syndrome there's a lot of research around that a bit around how albert einstein suffered from imposter syndrome and some of our amazing people have all experienced imposter syndrome and as externals you probably think why but um for those people it was real so when we think about procrastinate uh, sorry imposter syndrome to start with there's different elements of procrastination and i do go into this a little bit more in the book it's looking at what you've achieved sort of to date and being aware of that or looking at what you've achieved, writing down what it is that you need to do, what make it sort of small and, and manageable rather than thinking it's much bigger than what you need to do. But in the book, it goes into more detail about the different elements of an imposter syndrome as well. So, so when we talk about imposter syndrome, Dr. Valerie Young developed um, something called the five core types of imposter syndrome. So that includes the perfectionist, the superhero, the expert, the natural genius and the soloist. Um, and some of the clues are in the titles there. And generally, most people can relate to at least one of those. So just to give you an example of a couple of them, perfectionists, for example, they set excessively high goals for themselves, which are often unachievable. So um, before they even get started, they're kind of setting themselves up for a fail. Now, what's really useful in terms of recognising which one of these that you relate to is that you can put the practices in place so that you can make sure that you're going to achieve that. The superhero, for example, will often be the last person to leave the office. So they always feel like they've got to do that extra bit more and sort of work above and beyond but it's often to cover up their own insecurities so some of the things that that people can do in terms of overcoming imposter syndrome is just learning to recognize accomplishments and, and achievements that they have done which is another reason why it's important to really celebrate the achievement the achievements that you do do 
and not often in the workplace you can be striving towards achieve a goal or a target and you've got a deadline coming up and then that deadline's reached and but then it's not really celebrated because it's then straight on to the next one so there's a lot of um positive benefits around having that celebration around the achievement so looking at things like imposter syndrome is one but also sort of the positive benefits and mood boosting qualities that it has also well i know you mentioned the word failure in there as well i know you've done a lot of work with entrepreneurs and, and i've heard that um sometimes entrepreneurs are going to venture happiness and then sort of pitching for business often they, they won't invest unless that entrepreneur didn't do a level of failure so they know, you know because most businesses do fail you to understand what they learned from that and they often say the most successful people have been through some significant failure. I know there's a very famous quote by Michael Jordan, the basketball players, and I miss more baskets than anybody, but I practice the most. And there's an interesting acronym that a friend of mine told me about, which is, which is fail, which um, he said, you can change it to first attempt in learning. But so again, it's not always being so hard on ourselves if we do hit that failure, but understand we're learning and we're getting as well. We've got to in our career journeys because we've, we've experienced so much failure. So that's again, turning up and sometimes into a positive as well. And for the HR leaders that are listening to this, what can they do to, I guess, nurture the health and well-being of their teams, but also not stop there, but encourage other leaders within their organisations to also do the same? So first of all, I would suggest if you haven't already got a well-being strategy to start putting one together. So I'm actually the founder of an organization called Optimi, and this is something that we specialize in. And we've developed a digital tool to basically provide individuals within an organization bespoke well-being support. Um, as I mentioned, everybody's individual, the needs and the support that they need. So through digital technology, we're able to offer the support that they are required. In terms of making sure that everybody accesses the right well-being support, it's very much a cultural thing and making sure that everybody's on board, which is often easier said than done, um, especially if you're working with a, a large organisation. So things like getting well-being messages out there, making sure that there's a wide range of resources that people can relate to. So it might be that um, somebody finds a, a certain um, support resource on stress particularly useful. For somebody else, it might be something around men's health, for example. For somebody else, it might be looking at procrastination or work-life balance. So making sure that there's as much as possible to cater for the different people within your organisation and also providing that supportive network where people do feel safe to talk about health and well-being and how they're feeling as well. Yeah, for sure. And that psychologically safe environment. People say, yeah. say being themselves to work and be vulnerable and be honest. So you mentioned your, your business helped to me, LLB. Tell us a bit more about the platform. I understand that you've integrated technology, data analytics, which is a hot topic at the moment, and yeah. personalised experience, that bespoke experience, to deliver sort of tailored packages to clients. What do these look like then from both uh, physical wellness, if you talked about a little bit already, and a medical health perspective? Yeah, so we actually cover something called the six pillars of well-being, which includes mind and body. But we also look at career, environment, relationships and finance as well. So we cover six pillars. Um, again, there's a lot of crossover, but we feel across those six pillars, we can pretty much cover most areas in terms of the support needed that we've that we've come across already and basically an individual logs in the platform 
they answer a series of questions and there's support resources bespoke to their needs. It works on a behaviour change model, so that's updated on a regular occurrence and they're rewarded for taking part within that programme as well. In terms of the organisation-wide, so the platform is completely confidential to that individual and what they access and things like that is is totally confidential. But as an organisation, that company can see an overview of the well-being within their organization which i think is really important and anything that might be highlighted they can offer additional support so right now for example we're going through a cost of living crisis and a lot of organizations their employees are concerned about that and need a bit more support so that is coming through our data and those organizations are putting in extra support measures as part of that as well i know you've been working in this space with senior leaders and so on for over a decade now what has been the biggest change or biggest shift that you've seen since you started your journey in the world of well-being and, and happiness and health and work-life balance to where we are now, particularly sort of post-pandemic? I think there's been a significant shift pre-pandemic it was definitely seen as a nice to have, whereas now it's becoming a need to have and organisations are starting to recognise that. We particularly love working with forward-thinking organisations who are really passionate about getting the best out of their staff um, and that's the type of business that we we really want to work with and thankfully more and more businesses are coming onto that way of thinking um, and recognising how important it is to support people. We spend such a lot of time within work so to be able to give an individual the support that they need and also well-being is actually for everyone so it, it can yeah. people going through a challenge, but there's definitely something that I would say most people can do to improve their well-being. So for me today, I def I've got a bottle of water here, but I still <laughs> need to drink an awful lot of it. For example, and I'm sure most people will admit that there's something that they could do to improve their well-being. So it's a constant learning journey, really. I read on your this really interesting stats on your website, the public people do at the moment, which is eighty five percent of the employees who participate in a personal wellbeing program that is offered. Seventy one percent employees have personal problems that are affecting their wellbeing at work. Fifty five percent of working days are lost to ill health, it's particularly if you in a late HR related issue there for to consider, which relates to anxiety and depression. And sixty seven percent of employees experience symptoms of burnout. So, you know, there's some really interesting stats there that really bring us to the core of the HR community because they're often the department that this falls under. People have to start, you know, coming to you in order to, to support them with their health and well-being initiatives and, and to try to reduce the level of anxiety, depression and absence and related sort of issues that become the back of that. Is there any question I haven't asked yet in the show that what messages you'd like to give our HR community to, to really sort of I guess hammer the point how important nurturing health and well-being within your teams is for the leaders of this movement. I think you only need to look at the research really in terms of how supporting the health and well-being of individuals helps boost productivity, helps boost happiness, everything that you need in terms of creating a a more productive workforce that's going to boost the bottom line hopefully keep the talent that you've got within your organization and attract more so i think it seems like quite a small task in terms of supporting people's mental health and well-being um it's actually got a significant impact in terms of the wider business and 
I suppose a lot of HR professionals probably already know this and perhaps it's that message to the wider workforce that needs to be spread. Yeah, sure. I think it's that recognition that we all have well-being, right? we all have mental health, everybody. Mental illness, maybe not, but mental health, we can all be um, worked to, to support and improve. So I think it's a really valuable content for us to take away. So we're going to open the HR and the vaults. Uh, three short short questions for you, Bethany. Opening the L and D vault. First one is this: uh, knowing what you know in terms of the people you work with today, particularly in the HR community. If you give one piece of advice to the world, what would it be? Find your purpose, follow it, and then everything else should follow. That makes sense. We hear a lot of people talking about the how, why, right, and 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 who we are, and finding our why, and finding our purpose. So it's a really good place to start. Um, that's great. If, if, second question, if you have the opportunity, what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in this new world of work? I think it would be trust the process. Trust the process and stay in your own lane. There's a lot of things going on in the world and there's a lot of outside noise or background noise that can kind of distract you. But again, if you can follow your purpose, stay in your own lane, stay authentic, that should keep you on track. And in line with sort with well-being and happiness and things like that, I think that would be my advice. Very nice. And last but not least, what is the one guiding principle behaviour you've seen in every great leader that To give back. I think throughout that journey to give back, you can always share some element of wisdom, at least. All of the best leaders that I know do that. I think it's interesting, I don't know if i get to that right now. I've never had that response in the show before, which is really good. But I've had those, I think it's a Chinese proverb. It says something along the lines of, if you want to be happy for an hour, sleep. If you want to be happy for a day, bitch. If you want to be happy for a year, get lots of, make lots of money and, and, and be rich. If you want to be happy for a lifetime, give to others. Kind of links to that. It's quite nice. It's quite nice. There's something along those lines. I've missed a month or a week out in there. But, uh, yeah, it's quite nice. It's quite nice. But if you want to find out more about the work that you do and what I do, Look at your website for a number of different resources and blogs and talks like your six pillars of well-being in more detail as well. We've got on the show. Where can we go at them? You can go to optimiwellbeing.com, which has got everything around employee wellbeing. And we have got a few resources on there as well. Alternatively, if you want to find out about my book, then you can have a look at bethanyainsley.com. And both are on social media. Super, fantastic. And for those who are worried, those links will be in the show notes as well. So the optimiwellbeing.com will be straight in our show notes. You can access that digital toolkit and find out a lot more about the work that you do, the wonderful work you do about wellbeing. And you'll see some of those stats as well. So read that for your own presentations. So make that case study. Make this investment in your staff and go to that website and get those stats in there. Um, I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile for those who may want to connect with your email or reach out to you directly, Bethany. And also your wonderful book, which you can also access on Amazon as well. So whatever your platform is, I'll put the links in the show notes. You can click straight through and purchase. Uh, don't burn out, stand out today on the show notes. Uh, and of course, if you are an HR or L&D professional listening to the show, you need support with an HR or L&D related vacancy. Perhaps that's what's giving you real stress at the moment. And maybe I can help with your well-being by supporting you with that recruitment challenge. And please do go in touch with myself or any of my wonderful team at jgarecruitment.com. And that link will also be in the show notes. Just need to say a huge thank you today to Bethany Easy for joining me on the HR L&D podcast to talk about how we can nurture and improve employee well-being, improve mental health, improve our work-life balance and hopefully reduce burnout that we know is having such an impact on the HR profession at the moment. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Nick.
That's it for today's episode of the HR L&D podcast. I hope you found this discussion informative and thought-provoking and that it gave you actionable insights to help you drive your HR agenda forward. Please remember to subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And I'd also love to hear from you. So if you enjoyed this show, please do leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback helps me to ensure I can continue to bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Oh, and don't forget to share this show with your colleagues and fellow HR leaders as well. The more we spread the word, the more we can grow our community of HR professionals who I know are all as dedicated to driving the future of work forward as I am. Thanks, of course, for tuning in. My name is Nick Gay. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. It would be great to get connected. In the meantime, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon.